You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable and fixed blade knives and game processing kits. Now, in my bag this year, I had the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit. It comes in a very compact, handy carrying case, and one handle has the replaceable blade knife and the gutting blade. The other handle has the saw that comes with it. So, I use the saw to split the pelvis, and I use the gut hook to open up the cavity and the blade to start cutting all the stuff out, right? So uh, it makes cleaning a deer very simple, very easy, and the the knife is sharp. And uh, if you've ever had to gut a deer with a dull knife, we all know how much that sucks. So um, take a look at the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit and uh, head on over to OutdoorEdge.com and enter the discount code NATION30. That's NATION30 for 30% savings on your purchase. afternoon good morning good evening where where and whenever you're listening to this welcome back to the hunting gear podcast i'm your host dan johnson and today we are continuing our hunting gear brand conversation with todd snader of the uh, pure archery group and today specifically we're going to be talking about sites and even more specific we're going to be talking about black gold and uh, all the the lineup of sites that they offer we talk about material we talk about the importance of the design the construction uh, adjustability different functionality you know what sites they may recommend for the western guy versus the eastern guy uh, and maybe a combination of of both we just kind of get into the weeds about sites and even uh, a lot of this stuff is actually learning for me right I'm I'm learning just like you guys are learning. Like, I don't know anything about some of this stuff. And, and Todd does a really good job of breaking it down and explaining the importance of some of the stuff that I'm a green, green with or ignorant about. So uh, just a really good episode uh, when it comes to sites. And just a, uh, not only about black gold, but a general conversation as well that I think you guys are going to enjoy. Um, before we get into the episode, though, we're going to do a real quick commercial. Uh, head over to theaverageconservationist.com and check out their full lineup of apparel. Let's see, today I'm wearing the camo Average Conservationist hoodie, and I'm wearing the brown, I guess it's like a brownish dark green average conservationist logo um, 
he sent me a whole bunch of this stuff. It's really comfortable. It's the it's the actual comfort comfortable t-shirts. And the reason I like these t-shirts is because they're tight in the good spots, or you know, I shouldn't say tight, but uh, more fitting in the tight spots, like the shoulder and upper chest, and they're uh, a little bit looser in the love handle area, if you know what I mean. So they make me look good, and that's a that's a win, if you ask me. I, my wife's like, "Oh, hey, have you lost weight?" I'm just like, "Nope, I'm just wearing a really good fitting T-shirt." So, uh, theaverageconservationist.com. Check out their hats, T-shirts, hoodies. Really awesome logo, uh, lifestyle brand. Uh, go check them out. Also, these guys put up 10% of their own revenue donated to uh, conservation organizations, and they're a 2% for certified company. So they're going beyond the 1%, and they're giving 10% right off the top. Uh, They're donating it to uh, conservation organizations, and that's something that I think a lot of companies within the hunting space need to be doing so uh, check out the averageconservationist.com take a look at their apparel buy some and use the discount code i got one right here for you the discount code nfc10 and you're going to save 10 percent off of your purchase your purchase at the averageconservationist.com all right we've done the intro we've done the commercial let's get into today's episode with todd snader of black gold all right, on the phone with me once again, Mr. Todd Snader. Todd, how are we doing, man? I am doing great, doing great. How about you? Oh, heads above dirt. That's a good day right there, right? It's always That's always a good day. We've got some hunting seasons approaching again. Oh, yeah. I am ready. <laughs> right. Hey, does Oregon have turkeys? We do. We do. Uh, we have uh, opens on uh, April 15th. We actually have, uh, it's one of our, one of our more... Uh, more abundant game. I mean, there's people asking hunters to come hunt properties. One of our accounting ladies upstairs is always telling me every year, make sure I get out there and, and do some hunting. So it's, uh, it's, uh, pretty abundant here, which is, uh, it's good for, for turkey hunters. Yeah. Is that Merriam's that are out there? Yep. Okay, yep. cool. Yeah, I've never, uh, I've seen them when I've been mule deer hunting, but I've never actually hunted a species other than, um, uh, other than Eastern. So it yeah. is definitely a bucket list to try to get the grand slam at some point. It's pretty widespread because we're, we're West side, more in the Valley here, not quite coastals, but you'll find them all the way, you know, here in the Valley, all the way West. There's some uh, property where I go do my elk and, and mule hunt, muley hunting out on the East side. I'm sorry, on the East side of the state. Um, and just as abundant there too. So it's uh, pretty much anywhere you go here in Oregon, you have the opportunities to go turkey hunting. Right. So are you a, a shed guy at all? I know uh, there's a big you know, I think shed hunting has grown in popularity throughout the years. Do you get out and look for antlers at all? You know, I, I, I don't, I mean, I do, you know, when time allows, but I'm not, uh, I would absolutely love to be the avid shed hunter. Um, it's, it's, uh, I just don't get out and have the opportunity to do it. And I watch people on social media. I'm like, gosh, I got to get out there and do it. I just, I don't, and that's all on me too, you know, but, uh, I absolutely, uh, you know, when, when I have the opportunity I do, but, uh, unfortunately not as much I would like. Yeah. I tell you what, I don't know what it is, but I'm, I think, you know how you boil it down. It's like, okay, I'm a hunter. Right. But I mm-hmm. also, <laughs> I also like to gather things too. Like yeah. I like to look yep. for shed antlers and one of my, uh, 
like favorite things to do. And I think a lot of it has to do, um, with the ability to eat what I find. And that is look for morel mushrooms in the, uh, in the spring mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, you guys have them out there as well. We do. We have mushroom hunting and that's just, that's a whole nother subject out here there. I mean, there are mushroom hunters galore and there's uh, crimes committed over mushroom. I mean, just people <laughs> stealing mushrooms from each other here. It's, it's crazy. It is crazy out here, but yes, there is, you know, it's a the opportunity. Same thing as just, as you said, you know, wild, wild shed hunting and specific seasons for, yeah. for mushroom hunting out here. But like I said, it's, Anywhere you go, I mean, you travel, there's people, there's mushroom hunting camps set up here specifically for that. Holy cow. And you, you got to watch your, your, uh, you got to watch your harvest. It's, yeah. uh, like I said, there's some crimes committed over yeah. that. It's almost like uh, rival gangs. If you cross over uh, this exactly. invisible line. Spot, <laughs> spot on. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, I think one of my favorite uh, things to do is, you know, obviously if the temperature plays out and the mushrooms are growing at the same time that the turkey hunting is in is is you know hunting in the morning and then as the turkey stop calling throughout the day or stop responding then you go look for mushrooms and then hopefully you can get one and if you don't get one then you go fishing and you try to get one and then you have the feast right you have some fish you have some turkey you have some mushrooms all fresh oh man i love that it is awesome, and that's a good opportunity because we open here in uh, in April for, like I said, for turkey. So you know, we're coming out of the wet season a little bit, so you get into that more of the prime mushroom season as well, too. Um, as you know, they start you know based on all that moisture, our winter, you start right. getting that growing as well. Yeah, right. Well, let's get into today's topic. Um, this is the Hunting Gear Podcast, and today we're going to be talking about another brand uh, that you that you guys run and that is black gold premium bow sights and uh i want to kick it off with kind of a a comment slash question to to you and that is when it comes to firearms right Mm -hmm. uh let's say you're talking about a budget i i hear people say and i've heard it uh, said not only on the firearm side but also on the archery side and that is save put your money in a good site you know if you have x amount of dollars right make sure you know if you're going to spend your money and you know get the the best of something put it into either put it into your sites and what would you have to say about that yeah that is correct i mean i'm i'm under the same way of thinking i do the same thing in on on my rifle side on my optics it's you know optics are don't skimp on optics because that's when you're hunting, you know, it, it's accuracy. We're all about accuracy right. as a hunter. And if your sight fails on you, if your pins aren't reliable, if, I mean, you see even on some low end sites, the pins position vary. So left, right, um, just the quality there break it's to your point, you know, that's something you definitely don't want to skimp on Yeah. unless you're going to, if, if you're going to skimp on it, then you end up needing an extra one. Right. And we know when you end up purchasing extra backup sites because you're skimping on the quality of a site then you're spending just as much as you would on a, on a quality high end site, same thing on an optic, you know, it's going to break. I've had, I've tried it with optics on, on rifles and you know, it is exactly what happens. You know, every shot it moves, it's just, it doesn't withstand um, the rigors we need it to withstand. And the same thing with the sights. And that's why with, you know, with black gold, why we focus that direction from, you know, the mid price point up, but adding the, the quality and the features at that price point. So it doesn't let you down in the field. Yeah. And I feel like 
for me, when I'm dragging my bow through the landscape mm-hmm. of wherever I'm hunting, my my sight is what gets caught up in the weeds, in the trees, in the mm-hmm. fences. It's the thing that gets dug into the dirt while I'm trying to climb a hill or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and like I've said in previous episodes, I really do beat the crap out of my equipment. So I need it to to perform and stay where I have it set, right? So yep. when when I say that, my question to you then becomes, especially towards a site or really any type of accessory, but you know, we're talking about sites here today, what what keeps something in place and keeps it from when it is jolted and beat up and smashed that it stays in a certain place and it performs at the top level after it's been beat up and smashed? Yeah, a lot of it is it really comes down to the materials. Um, I mean, you'll see that in in lower end sites being made of, of plastic and dependent on the type of plastic, how soft it is. Um, or even going on the far end of it, if it's a harder plastic, being more brittle. So those are more apt to to move on you. So that's why you know we focus on on things primarily in in aluminum. So in, in especially in all the major structural components, and you'll see that in in and really you know kudos to a lot of the other high end sites that that do that as well. They're starting to see that you know the material there as well. But from day one, that's what we've focused on is producing the structural integrity out of out of aluminum to help reduce that weight but in that way when you're clamping it down when you're making your adjustments um, it's not biting into the material but being aluminum you get that solid bond you know now granted you know when you still look at things like you know site housings there are certain components that you can go a different type of material material on um, but your critical pieces in your in your structure, you want it to be aluminum and steel pins. You can't skip on pins. You know, back in the day, you know, when sites first came out, um, I think we all probably shot the old, um, not knocking on Cobra by any means, but I think back in the day, that's all there really was out there, that Cobra pin, Cobra slider site that had the movable brass pins when, yeah. uh, when it first came out, and yeah. those bent and broke but at the time that was that was the first kind of getting into revolutionary style sites um getting away from you know as people as a compound bow evolved right. but uh that's where mike elig back in 91 invented uh sort of building black gold sites in his garage machining those himself out of aluminum making steel pins making brighter pins just because he needed in Primarily Western. I mean, to your point, crawling through the hills, crawling through the mountains, crawling through the brush. It's got to be able to hold up and not move on you. Right. Um, you know, and, and you know, not not taking it away from from Eastern bow hunters. You know, you're in the tree stand. A Western bow hunter has, you know, on foot maybe have a little more bumps and bruises. Um, so that's where we take that that need for a hunter to not have that stuff move and make those premium materials. Um, um, and like I said, it just comes down to just beefing up the structural integrity. Why keeping it lightweight? Yeah. <laughs> Here's a funny story. I can remember, uh, one of the first compound bows that I had, I had, uh, I can remember the brass pins on it or the, mm-hmm. like, whatever those were. And my 30 yard pin broke, right? Mm-hmm. No, excuse me. It was my 20 yard pin broke because back then I had a 10 yard, I had a 20, uh, a 10 a 15, a 20, and a 25, all, and that's how I had them set up. And I was relatively young. And I remember 
breaking my 20 yard pin. Right. And I, I, I didn't like, I couldn't figure out gap shooting at that point. So I said, so if a deer came by at 20 yards, I couldn't shoot it because I, I didn't know, like I couldn't, I couldn't put a pin on it. So, and I couldn't right. afford a new site. Right. So, um, you know, I was young, you know, you know, I completely forgot, hey, why don't you slide the 25 up, you know, or take that off or yeah. whatever. And it just, you know, whatever. But, um, so aluminum, right? Is that, is that mm-hmm. the industry standard when it comes to sites these days? And you definitely see that, you know, a lot of, you know, going, there's a lot of sites going at starting to add carbon in areas too, to help reduce the weight, but you'll still see those structural pieces, clamp down points, the micro adjust points of sites still focusing on aluminum just because you need that, you know, need that strength. But that was, I was kind of mentioning too, there's the ability now to start adding additional materials that aren't necessarily aluminum, but play into that, uh, the overall structure to help reduce the weight. Now, carbon, you know, is one of the, the lightest, most durable product materials out there. Um, and it really complements aluminum to make a premium site while keeping that durability up there too. Yeah. So, you know, when it comes to like, I'm, I'm a fan of keeping the same accessories on my bow from year to year to year. Like if I find something that I like, uh, unless it breaks, I switch, like I switch my bows a lot, but I don't switch my accessories. Right. Um, so is there a, a secret or, um, a learning curve shortcut, let's say to installing a site and getting it dialed in as I guess, accurate as possible? A lot of it is making sure, and I, I think people are, are starting to see this more and more, but there's a lot of technical terms out there too. But um, most good sites out there, high-end sites have axis adjustments, and that plays a, a very, very critical role in setting up a site. So um, as a tree stand hunter, and, and I've, you know, I've, you've seen a lot on, on forums now, on videos, on setting up your axis for downhill shooting. That's the same thing. It, it, it holds true for a Western hunter. It's very important to, to set up axis correctly. Um, so your pins are in line with now I'll back up a little bit. A lot of people will set up their, their axis on their site. So their pins are aligned with their string, which is good. But people always have a natural cant to their bow, and you'll see a lot of of uh, discussions out there of how to set up that axis. I personally, I I, I set up. I'll start out with my uh, setting up my my bow, set up the axis to to the string, um, and then as I'm shooting the bow, I start seeing that I need to adjust my that axis a little bit to my natural cant of the bow. Um, but there's also the downhill axis. So it's your, it's your axis, the scope tilted away from you and towards you. And what that plays into is, uh, you know, yeah, it's great if we're shooting on level, you know, nice level ground, you can set up that axis, but you also have to be able to change as that bow rotates down that level position forward and back changes. Now it, it, your bubble can be totally thrown off. Um, so you need to level that up and s- practice shooting downhill shots as well to make sure you have that that bubble set to your cant as well. Um, so there's a lot of pe- 
pieces there that people think they can just slap a site on there, adjust their, you know, adjust their sites left and right and be good to go. And then they wonder why when they're shooting uphill, they're shooting downhill, they're not getting that, they're getting that left and right impact. Um, and then at that point, once that's locked down, obviously you want to recheck it every year to year. Um, right. All, all high-end sites have that feature. If not, I mean, you definitely want to stay away from it. But that's a critical piece when you're when you're getting to that level of bow hunting. You want that precision. Um, and again, check it. You always check it. But once you're setting, and the same thing as you said, you know, I'm comfortable. You know, I'll put a site on there. I'll play around with a few different models. You know, fortunately, I have the ability to to have a couple a little more readily available here. But I'm, you know, I I try one, and then I'll I'll stick with it season to season. Um, until something comes out to where, you know, we all have a little bit, have a site like, man, I, I wish that had that little thing changed there or had this added feature to it. That's usually the next thing that'll make me switch. If, you know, we come out with something based on feedback and says, Hey, you know, we want that same site, but without the, the dial on it, right. then I'll, I'll likely switch. If I'm not using the dial on the current site I have, I'll switch over to that. But, um, like I said, for the most part, I stick with what I like, what, you know, what's, what works. Yeah. So let me, I want to kind of get back into this, uh, these other access, um, adjustments mm -hmm. because, you know, for me, I hunt out of a tree stand for the most part. Like, like I'm majority a whitetail hunter, my trip to Michigan, my trip to, you know, my, my Iowa hunting is all 20 feet shooting down, right? Out yep. west, yep. you know, I could be shooting flatter or I could be shooting up and down. So explain to me in a little bit more detail of why it's important to shoot uphill and downhill and make those adjustments when, um, when like me personally, I just target my, or sight my bow in flat. Where, mm -hmm. where's the, where's the error there? Well, and like I said, if you shoot it in flat, it's great because you can shoot that, you know, take a, Take a, a, you know, a regular, you know, builder's level that we all pretty much use every day, at least a little one or, or a long four foot level. And if you lay that flat um, or you pick it up in the air and, you know, it's you, you center the bubble yourself. But if you turn that as you turn that level away from you, you could cant it left or right a little bit and you're going to throw that off and it might stick perfect or you can even put it on a table. And I do, I do it on a wall even, so you could level up uh, on the side of a wall. And as you rotate it down, you'll see that it moves just because that site, you know, picture it as, you know, like your, your site housing, that level is not, it changes level at that point. You're basically taking your level and turning it on its opposite side. Now you think about that, you get your left and right on, on perfect flat ground, your left and right, you are absolutely drilling bullseyes on the range left and right. But if you rotate that down and you're not adjusting that level front and back, you're turning it and it's not level anymore um, to the bow. So or level to the earth, basically, is what you want to what I should say. Now you have to adjust that bow. Now you're thinking, all right, my bubble's off. I'm going to adjust my bow, uh, the cant of my bow to put that level back on. Now you're shooting left or right, depending on where that bubble's at. So that's why that. Um, that first, second, there's really three axes some bows only have first and third, some have, uh, you know, second and third axis, but there's three axes. There's the, the twisting of the site. Like we had, we had talked about, there's the second axis where it's your, what we traditionally, uh, level up on the ground where it's level to the plane of the site and to the bow. And then there's that third axis, what we talked about, where you want to twist that forward and back to, um, 
to adjust for uh, downhill shooting. So people don't think about that. Yeah, level is great on the ground, but as you tilt that level down away from you, the, that le- that sight being canted away from the bow and you try to adjust for it when you're shooting is going to throw that shot off left and right. So it's very critical to check that out. Now, there's some simple ways to do that. Your archery shop has uh, special fixtures they can put your bow in that uh, it'll level up your, they level up vertically. And then what they do is that the jig will rotate the bow down like to mimic a downhill shot or a shot of a tree stand. Then you can adjust your level that's that next axis to that uh, to to level up again and rotate it back up. If you don't have one of those, you can do it on a wall. And I always check the wall first. I take my my carpenter's level and make sure the wall is vert. Put it up vertically on there. Make sure that wall is level and also do it horizontally. That way, you're not making sure that it's uh, it angled out or anything like that. But you can do the same thing. I lay my bow up against the wall, level up that sight. And then I just leave it flat on the wall and I'll turn it downhill on the wall a little bit and uh, check that bubble. And it's really never failed me. But again, if you have a wall that's off, then it won't work for you. But uh, just make sure uh, that's an easy way to do it at right. home if, if, the, if those of you haven't done it before. So. so does that then mean that, you know, because obviously in a hunting scenario, you could be mm-hmm. shooting uphill, you could be shooting flat, yep. you could be shooting yep. downhill. So when you go to do those micro adjustments, uh, like what you just walked us through, does that mean you're going to be off if you shoot uphill? It's going to be the same because your, your, your angles are the same. Yeah. So uphill, downhill, and I double check it. So, um, but if you're, if you're level vertically, then your level, as you tilt it downhill, it should be the same level uphill. Um, just because you're, you know, as long as your wall or your jig is on the same plane, you're just basically rotating it in a flat circle. If you're able to draw a circle perfectly through the front and the back of your bow, you're spinning it on that axis. So if it's level downhill, it's going to be level uphill as well. I got you. Okay. That makes sense. All right. So I want to talk a little bit now about like based off of sales or like what you guys are seeing or or maybe what direction the industry is going or, you know, whatever you have kind of information you have for us. Are people now leaning towards multiple pin sites? Is the single pin more, uh, you know, more popular or are you seeing kind of a 50, 50 split? I would say it's, it's, um, it's more towards multiple pin. I would say, 60 40 even towards 70 30 multiple pin versus vertical pin and it's really the market so admittedly we started out as and i mentioned earlier as a very very western centric site mikey league was from montana um, started producing sites for for local hunters for uh but in generally we use out out west you're going to use multiple pins because you're spot and stock elk mule deer on the ground generally produce you see a shot that happens very quickly um or if you're calling in an elk you don't have the time to know the yardage right away it presents itself really quick you can't adjust the dial on your single pin site quick enough now i don't want to take it i want to say everybody doesn't do that but um predominantly a western hunter is going to use a multiple pin site whereas as you get to the eastern market you you'll see an increase of of whitetail hunters start using um or you know a tree stand hunter start using a uh, um a single pin site because generally when you're you're in your stand you're doing your range and you have your your waypoints kind of marked off in your radius around your stand you know those shot placements so 
if, if a deer comes in, you say, okay, that tree right there is 32 yards and you see he's going to be near that tree. You can dial your sight. You have time to potentially make that shot at, at that 32 yards. Um, and some people like that better field of view. Now, me personally, I really, really like a single pin sight. I mean, I'm from Ohio, yeah. so I always shot a single pin sight um, primarily. And I actually started out as a target archer before I got into hunting. So I was really... I always had that single pin or that center drilled lens, and I really, really got accustomed to that, being able to see so much more of the animal. Yeah. Um, so, but West, I do shoot a multi, multi-pin multi sight for my Western setups, but I usually go down to even maybe a three-pin sight or a four-pin sight. Um, and then I use our um, our Ascent verdict, uh, which has the what we call the dial of death. So I'll set my – I'll have a, a 20, 30, 40, and a 50-pin. And I'll usually use my 40, and it, you can set it up as a dial. So I'll sight my 40-yard pin in and then um, use the dial for longer distances if I happen to need it. So I do kind of have that ability to have a, a single floater pin but have those other pins where I don't have to dial it really quickly. So you're saying 20, 30, and 40 are fixed, and 40 yep. is the floater that can go beyond 40. Yep. Okay. Yep. And I'll set it up to where generally my, my 20 and my 30 are higher in my site housing. My 40 is going to be about the center of my housing. I got gotcha. you. Um, and then, you know, I'll, I'll set it for speed and I'll put the sight tape on there. And then my indicator is always at 40. Then I can dial it. And I can even use that floater to 50 if I wanted, but I can dial it to 60 if I need that shot. If I think, hey, I'm not going to, he's not going to come in any closer than 60, I can dial her up to 60. Um, if you have that opportunity, but generally in the shots for, I try to keep them, you know, 30, 40 yeah. or less. That's but, very, hey, you know, that's very interesting. Yeah. I would assume if I had to guess who's using what kind of pins, I would assume, mm-hmm. and this is just maybe me not knowing what I'm talking about, but throughout all the years, I wanted to shoot a single pin out West because I felt that deer or elk or whatever were going to be moving on their feet, different, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, different uh, all the time. And, I, and I, I, I can understand why you would want uh, uh, multiple pins so you don't have to reach up and adjust. Okay, now he's at 20, adjust. Mm-hmm. Now he's at 40, adjust, you know, and, and do that. But I always assumed that out west was going to be the single pin and east uh, coast was going to be like whitetail tree stand hunters we're going to have everything mm-hmm. fixed so yeah it just tells you what i know and it's a little different it, it takes a lot of gap practice we talked about that a little bit you know before i think we came on here is is learning your gaps yeah it takes a lot of practice to shoot um if you're running a single pin out west you've really really got to know your gaps um and that's why you know i i feel and what i've seen is multi-pins give you the ability to to see your gaps that right. much quicker. Uh, so, you know, Hey, you, you know, you're confident 20, 30, 40, 50, where you're kind of guessing, Hey, I'm dialed. I got my pin set at 30 and I, you know, Hey, here's about my hold point for 20. Here's about my hold point for 40 where you, you remove that about a little bit in the multi pins, Western style hunting. So anyhow, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. All right. So, um, I guess let's talk, let's talk about what makes black gold sites, good all right you know we, we've talked a little bit about the aluminum material but what about the design the engineering the construction makes them uh, a consideration for people to put on their bow yeah and a lot of it is 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 the not just the durability is is the simplicity of the of use it can't be super complicated 
um, to adjust your pins. It can be super complicated to to you know go from micro adjust or hard to, hard to or difficult to use to make your adjustments, even if it's not a micro adjust. Uh, windage and elevation, um, and a lot of it is is what you're seeing. Um, sites need to be bright, but it needs to be able to adjust. So you see um, a lot of fiber optics out there that are so bright, you get that really, really bright halo effect um, to where no matter what kind of pin you have, you just can't see what you're aiming at because you have that super, super glow. Um, we've come out with a couple pins over the, or a pin over the last couple of years is called the pro pin, which is a, is another steel pin, a super narrow throat. It still has that 019 fiber optic. Um, but coupled with what's called our photochromatic technology, there is a simply put a, a, a cover over where the fiber optics wind and it adjusts to, to the ambient light. So inside, it doesn't darken up, so it'll gather as much light. Um, if you're shooting indoors or you're shooting in darker conditions, it'll gather light for you, but you won't give you that halo effect. Now, you get into a little brighter light. You get into sun situations where it's just really beaming down on your sight. You can't have those pins just like glowing like a neon sign. So that, that photochromatic housing will actually darken up a little bit and reduce the light that it's letting into the, those fibers. So you still get the same brightness level as what you would have under a little darker condition. So it really evens out what you're seeing. Over, over lighting pins can affect your left and your right as well because you get that little halo effect and you yeah. don't know where the actual center pin is. So a lot of features there that really make a difference is the material is the pin construction, but it's just, that's what we say with, with black gold is, uh, um, brighter, tougher, because that's what, you know, that's the biggest thing you got to see what you're aiming at. Yeah. Um, so it, and then, then it comes to what we exactly what we would talk about is just the materials. We, oh, we eliminate, uh, you know, plastic, you see even a majority of our housings at, at the higher price point are aluminum, uh, to protect the pins. So we don't skimp there as well. Yeah. And I, you brought up a good point and I, I kind of just realized it this year where I feel like I was shooting different when it was really bright outside compared to an overcast mm. day compared to mm. like an evening shoot or compared to like a midday when I'm shooting mm -hmm. and the, the, the glow on a bigger, on a, <laughs> on a bigger pin. And uh, so I dropped down my pin size this year and felt that I was shooting better with a smaller pin um, almost to the point where you know, obviously in really low light conditions, it's, it, you know, pin brightness may be a factor, but almost to the point mm -hmm. where I, I, I don't even know, maybe this is a, this is more of a personal question. Do you ever get requests for non-lit pins? Uh, not really. Okay. Um, cause most situations, you know, and at that point, if you go to a non, I mean, our pins aren't, you're talking about non, I assume non fiber optic. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, I haven't really heard it. I, I don't, you know, that's something I don't think our developments has really heard just because there's the ability for us now to be able to darken it up a little right, bit. Right. Um, I think that's what sets it apart. You know, once people see that, Hey, it's not overbearing with that photochromatic, you know, it's not something we would know. We normally would get the, it's just more of the 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 pin itself the shaft of the pin not being super thick right um and that's why we came out with that pro pin just because you can see more of the animal at that point and less pin yeah um and then you still have that 019 uh pin you know the fiber optic at the end for your aiming point but you know to your point when it's glowing you can't it's sometimes it's difficult especially the speeds of bows these days 
a lot of times your 20 and your 30 yard pin can be right on top of each oh, yeah. other. And if you get that bright halo effect, you don't know which aiming point you're using at that point. Right. So. Right. All right. So I think in one of our previous conversations, when we were setting up these podcasts, you mentioned that black and gold had two new sites come out this year, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So we do. Yeah, let's talk about those. Sure. We have uh, last year we introduced what's called what we called the um, pro uh, pro site, which I was talking just mentioned our new pro pin. And that was based on feedback um, of exactly what I just said. Consumers wanted a pin that had uh, was less uh, obtrusive in, in the site housing, but still super, super durable. So last year we came out with what we called the pro site. Um, it has that extra dial that I talked about a little bit. So you can set up that, uh, that second floater or like a 40 yard pin, if you want the, a floater, um, which is kind of Western centric a little bit, but over this last year, people really, really loved that pro pin, but didn't necessarily need that ability to have that extra dial or didn't, didn't necessarily want to. now there was people that lo- absolutely wanted it and absolutely people felt they, they liked the feature, but they said, I, di- I just don't use it, but I want something, the same type of site that's a little bit lighter. So this year we came out with what's called the pro FX, um, which basically takes that pro site, removes that dial of what we call the dial of death, that mover, second mover site, uh, but still gives you all those additional features of that uh, pro pin. So you can micro adjust the pins individually. It has micro adjust on the vertical gang adjustment. So you can move the whole housing together and the windage adjustment um, is all micro adjust. Okay. Um, and it oh, it lightens up the the site overall for those that, you know more of a tree stand hunter that doesn't need that dial of death. Gotcha. Now um, one one second before we get into the next one here. Sure. Are sure. all black gold pins? Um, are they all independent? When what I mean by that is, if I want to adjust my thirty and forty, I have to adjust each pin individually as opposed to i know there's some kind of technology out there that allows you to shoot 20 shoot 30 and when you're sighting in your 30 it automatically adjusts your you know your 40 50 60 no you will have to adjust those individually um some of them are um what we call toolless so you can uh well not necessarily toolless but you can you unlock the pins and technically you can move the pins together so like on the pro the the pro site and the pro fx um all the pins have individual micro adjust but you can actually unlock let's say your 20 and your 40 and engage the micro adjust and move your 20 and your 40 together it's not going to adjust the the gap and compensate for speed or drop but it can move those pins together. So technically, yes, but in, in the sense of what you're asking, it's, it, it's not necessarily the same thing. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So then what was the next uh, new site yep. on the market this year? Uh, Pro Hunter HD. So um, that one, our, one, across the board, our, over the last several years, our most popular line has been the Ascent series. Um, which is came out predominantly as as a Western style site. It had uh, that dial of death, so you can set up the floater pin. It had micro adjust originally, and micro adjust pins. The original black gold pin. Um, so the Pro Hunter HD again, based on feedback over the last year, consumers wanted the virtues of the Ascent, little little more simplified. Didn't necessarily want the individually micro adjust pins but still wanted the the ability to have that clarity with the pro pin. 
So that's what the Pro Hunter HD is. It still has that dial of death. You can it's a, a multi-pin sight, so you can get that in a a three or five pin version. Um, but it has that Pro pin, but it's not, the pins themselves are not micro adjust. But so you still get that a narrower throat, that better uh, that better uh, finite uh, aiming point with the 019 pin without the micro adjust. So it does reduce a little bit of weight. It, it uh, it's not the super high end cost, but it still has this just that down and dirty durability where it's not going to move on there. But a lot of the a lot of the features of the high end sights as well. Yeah. So let me. Uh... Let me ask you a question about how do um, I, I'm jumping I'm jumping ahead here. Uh, no, so so this uh, this uh, Pro Hunter HD is kind mm-hmm. of the cream of the crop when it comes to let, let's say someone like myself who mm-hmm. like I hunt both west and east, so I can have that fixed blade or I can have that fixed pin uh, set up for twenty and thirty, and then float from forty on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a good, a good example of what I was saying, especially in the HD. So it has a thr- the ability to have a three pin. So you have a couple extra kind of like what I was talking about. I like I like running a three or a four. Yeah. Um, and still have that floater pin. And then I have the ability being, you know, being able to travel east and go on hunts and things like that. I have something I can hunt west with. And to exactly what you said, it's perfectly at home eastern hunting out of a blind out of a tree stand where i don't need all those extra pins necessarily yeah okay all right so now i want to ask this question that when i when i used to set like uh, my bow up right i'd get a new site and i'd attach it to my uh bow and uh, you know to the riser and mm-hmm. i'm looking at one of the um uh, one of the places where you screw it into the riser and there's four holes mm-hmm. how do you know which hole to use, you know, the furthest towards the, the, the pins or the furthest mm-hmm. back away from the pins. How do you know which hole to use and what's going to be best for you when you uh, attach um, that to your bow? I play around with and a lot of it is so you can adjust your, your housing to the size of your peep. And that kind of plays back to what you had mentioned a few moments ago about the differences in impact point and what you can see between inside and outside in different times of daylight. So people will play around with their peep size and you'll see a lot of the same thing there is, is people will shoot a three sixteenths or a quarter inside and the housing fits perfectly. Then you go outside and you got a bunch of daylight around your housing. Um, but you still like the ability, let's say a, a a three sixteenths peep. You don't want to go down to an eighth. You still like the size of a three sixteenths peep. That those multiple positions in a site, you can move that site forward and back a little bit to adjust that what you're seeing as far as the size of the housing and the peep. So if you need to be able to see the ring a little bit more, you can move that site away from you. But if you got a lot of daylight out there and you're getting variances in your shot placement because it's a little more difficult to center up that circle. Um, you can you can move it a little bit closer to your far away. The the human eye naturally wants to take concentric things um, and make them to put them together. I do a lot of coaching um, in some leagues and things like that, and I explain to people how they need to be seeing their sight and their peep. And the human eye wants to automatically automatically bring circles together when you're when you're uh, looking at things. So be having the ability to get that get that housing the same diameter as your peep. 
is is more beneficial to accuracy because now your eye can align those much much easier another thing it does too and people know this and they may know this may not know this it uh, moving your your sight away from your from your eye or from your peep or towards your your peep actually can have an impact on your pin gaps um just because everything's kind of a triangle. So yeah. basically from your peep to your pin to your impact point, you're changing that triangle. I know I'm getting super technical here, but so that's one thing that people need to consider as you move that forward and back, it is going to change your pin gap. Um, kind of like, and also it helps accuracy. So it's kind of like uh, rifle shooters, longer, longer distances between your open sights are always, always more accurate, especially if you're, you know, your AR shooter, things like that. You'll see three gun shooters run a little longer distance from your, your, your rear aperture to your front blade, just because it's a little more accurate. You're able to line it to where closer together moves around a little bit more. So yeah. there's a lot of cool things that come from the considerations that gun hunter side, you know, rifle shooting into the archery side as well. People kind of click. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So what you're telling me is the, if you want a little, if you want more gap in between your pins, mm -hmm. bring the whole site closer to you. Well, if you want, if you want gap or yes, yes. If you want to open up, bring, uh, bring your, uh, bring closer, no further. I'm sorry. Further away gap so if you go away you're going to you're going to um open up your gap bring it closer to reduce your gap okay okay all right yep. all right yeah that makes sense then um and that and what you're saying is you're not focusing on that second pin right and right okay all right so bring it further away okay cool yep you'll see a lot of short draw length shooters especially on the target side um that if if they lose distance, I'm, and I'm going to use one of our pro, we have a pro shooter, Paige Pierce, and she shoot we shoot in here, Redding, California. I'm going to bring over a little, you know, quanti you know, bring over a little example from Target. So there's a 101 yard target in Redding, California. Those of you that don't shoot it, but those of you who should know about this. So what she actually has to do is she'll have her normal sight distance set up to make that 101 yard shot. She has to move her sight in closer. And she has a special mark for that because it reduces that gap a little bit. So okay, kind of compacts everything as you bring it closer. So gotcha. All right. That's very interesting. Um, a lot of information that I'm trying to soak up here today as well. And I'll, I'll tell yeah. you what, man, <laughs> I, I feel like for me and I, and maybe this is the case with everybody, right? We, we don't think about the details, uh, all these minor things. Um, mm -hmm. you know, we've talked a, a a lot about details today, the little things that people can do to help create better accuracy. Let me ask you this. Is it necessary though? Accuracy is always necessary. Well, uh, we, we owe it. We owe, yeah. I understand. We I, owe it to, I, I asked yeah. the wrong question. That's my fault. No. Are we overthinking it? Like, because yes, I can go put a, I can go put it on the bow. I can shoot really well, but in like all these different scenarios, you know, like really fine tuning. I mean, are we overthinking it? Uh, not necessarily. I okay. mean, you, you can get by with a certain amount of accuracy, but as people practice and, you know, you get to a certain point, it's, there's only, you know, you have the ability to, you know, equipment improve it. I mean, if a site doesn't have that adjustment, if you're running into issues, Hey, my group size is X amount. No, there's certain features in a site while, you know, you need to keep it simplistic and not overcomplicate it to your point. 
um, with messing with those axes a little bit as you become a you know, better bow hunter and start, you know, understanding how these things work. Then you start seeing your group sizes and forgiveness at that point um, improve. You know, if you're going from a pie plate to three inches just by, you know, hey, I'm, I'm, you know, I just learned about how to adjust this axis, you know, then then you're seeing a big difference there. Smaller groups mean better forgiveness at that point. So if you shoot in a pie plate and you make a bad shot, you're generally going to have a gut shot, right? Yeah. So if you if you're shooting three inch, two inch, smacking arrows, then you make a bad shot, you're well within the kill zone at that point. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. All right. So I want to talk about you know um, what you suggest, right? Uh, you have a variety of of options for a variety of different mm-hmm. styles mm-hmm. And, and and likes from you know different varieties of hunters uh let's just start off with the east coast typically a blind or a uh, a tree stand guy what site would you recommend at this point man there's so many good ones there too i mean if it's something if you're looking at at stepping up at this point from you know maybe a, a lower end site um something that's you know plastic type sites and you don't want to spend a you know a super ton of money there um, you've got that rush site, which is right at that, right at that little over a hundred dollar price point, but it has some features. Uh, you can get it in multi-pin. Um, you can also get it, uh, it is actually a three, a five or a, whoops, sorry, just hit my mic, three, five or seven, uh, um, pin configuration. So you can get a multiple pin options there too. So if you're an East coast hunter, um, and also if you go West coast hunters and then you're not sinking a, a ton of money, but now it doesn't have all the bells and whistles. It doesn't have the micro adjust to some of the higher end. It doesn't have the dials on it. Um, but as you want to get a little more field of view, you know, and, and again, you get in a lot of, of personal preferences. There's the widow maker, which you start adding micro adjust. You add a bigger field of view in it. If somebody wants a, a larger housing, you can get into something like that. Um, step up in price a little bit as you add features, micro adjust. Um, and then at that point, and you get into the super high end, um, I shouldn't say not necessarily price point, but feature end, um, you get into the sites like the ascent, uh, verdict, you get into, um, the, uh, the new, uh, the assault where you add a couple different features. You have the ascent verdict with, you know, micro adjust pins, different pin configurations. You can get into the single pin. So there's a lot of different options there. And the nice thing is if you want those extra features like that dial and you want it in a one pin, or if you want it in a multi-pin, a lot of times you can get into a specific site that you, and, and have that feature, um, different, different mount configurations. Some people need a quick disconnect. So you, most of you can get in a, in a direct X frame where it bolts to the site or a dovetail where you just mount the bracket on there. You can slide it out of the dovetail. If you travel a lot, you don't want to keep it on in the case and you slide it back in and set it to where you had it. So, um, but I would take a look if you're, if you're looking at upgrading coming out of that mid to low price point site and you don't want to sink $200 in a site, check out the rush and the Widowmaker. Those are awesome, awesome sites. Um, I shot a rush before we even were affiliated with black gold. Um, back in the day, I, I shot a rush site as I upgraded, um, actually well before I started working for Bowtech. Um, and then I upgraded as I got a little more extreme in my hunting, needed something, a little more features up into the Widowmaker. And now I'm shooting the, actually, I'm shooting the, the Pro FX now. So. Oh, nice. All right. So now what about the Western guy? Uh, Western guy, there's a lot of good feet. A lot of, you know, I, I would say any of the sites in there work great for Western just because for 
from the inception of the company and just over the last couple of years, we were a very, very Western focused company. Um, over the last couple of years, we're, we're really putting a lot of the, the focus as well into the Eastern market because people are starting to see um, the quality of the site, the features in the site in, in uh, whitetail hunting applications. So I would say, you know, personally, any site in the line is more of a Western, you know, is, is Western applicable just because of the multi-pin, the durability in it. Um, now, now like the pro hunter HD, we're adding some of the features that whitetail hunters want that don't necessarily need the multiple pins or, or the mass gang windage in like the pro FX too. So, okay. Um, and then is there a, uh, I guess one that is like for, for a guy like me, like I don't want to put like, I don't want to have two bows set up. You know, I don't want to have a whitetail bow and I don't mm-hmm. want to have a Western bow. I want a setup that is going to be good for, put up a, you know, a, a 20 yard chip shot in the timber for a mm-hmm. whitetail and then a 60 yard longer shot for maybe an elk or something like that. Is there a, a site that would benefit that style of hunting? Yeah. I mean, I, um, I would, oh, I always steer people at this point, especially with the new features into the pro, uh, pro site or the pro FX site. And this is really, if you want that floater pin. That new pro pin is so awesome just because of the, the, the field of view in it with the reduction in the pin side. So if you want something that's just super adaptable and you don't want that floater pin, you know, I would go pro the, the pro effects from this year. Gotcha. Um, that, like I said, that's why I set that up because, you know, our season comes in in August. I do do some hunts, um, throughout the year when I, when I'm able to travel around and then that way I don't have to change out my site. I, I, I set it up with the, with the pro effects this year. And that's, that's what I'm going to go with because it just gives me the, I, I feel the most versatility just because of the range of hunting I'm able to do. Gotcha. All right. And then the last question I really have for you today is there's a guy, he's staring at a wall full of sites. Why should he consider purchasing a black gold? Um, you know, I would, you know, honestly, m- most, uh, most dealers, good dealers out there will let you play around with them, send them up, up on bows. But I would just really take a hard look at the features and if they really make a difference. Because if you look at, uh, if you look a lot of competitors out there, they'll have little bells and whistles. Hey, this is green. This is blue. This is red or whatever. You know, I'm just using an example. Okay. Yeah. What does that mean to a hunter? It doesn't necessarily mean anything to a hunter, yeah. but you start looking at the way pins are affixed. Look at the the ability to micro adjust and how you micro adjust it. Um, look at materials, even just in the pin, how the pins lock down. Do they use brass to lock down? Um, Cause you know, brass is soft. So really, really just get a good look at them. And I, complex is not good. Look at simplicity out of the gate because it's got to work for you. It's got to be easy to use or you're just going to, you're going to get headaches. So that's what I would really recommend. Awesome. Well, Todd, man, uh, once again, uh, hit a home run here with the information you've provided us today. Uh, Really appreciate you taking time out of your day to uh, hop on and talk about Black Gold. If people want to find out more information about uh, Black Gold in the lineup of uh, both sites that these guys offer, where should we send them? Absolutely. Just get over to blackgoldsites.com. We have all the new products on there. We have the whole products on there. You can actually, you know, get in your local dealer where actually uh, dealers have them in stock. And it's been super popular for us this year across the board. We've had a great year. Um, get over our social media as well. We we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. We have a lot of cool things we do that on there as well. Bring in some, several guests, just like you guys do. 
Um, a lot of good information there as well. So yeah, make sure you follow us on social because that's the best place to get instant information. But you know, get over to the over blackgoldsites.com. Hey man, appreciate your time and good luck on your uh, turkey hunting adventure in Nebraska. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. <laughs>